Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. There's a ball! High and deep to right field! Forget about it! Oh my goodness! Are you kidding me? This ball is on way out of here! One of the longest home runs in the history of this ballpark. Alvarez launches deep right field, and this one is gone! And the Astros walk him off in game one! On a 2-1, Alvarez hits a high drive center field. Veerling's back! This game is turned upside down! It is Jordan Alvarez Day. It is the anniversary that the Houston Astros and the Los Angeles Dodgers made it official. They traded, the Astros did, Josh Fields for a young player, 19-year-old, Jordan Alvarez. The legend. The story. 2016. Seven years ago to the date. You know what's, <laughs> you know what's funny about this? I mean, there's so much that's funny about this. Josh Fields was pretty good as a Dodger. Josh Fields was not bad as a Dodger. He had some good years in the, in the bigs. He did. Remember, he threw hard. Yeah, and, like he wasn't. He was pretty good. He was a pretty good reliever. Like not a back end of the guy. Like back end of the bullpen. He's probably like a sixth, seventh inning yeah, guy. Exactly. But with the Dodgers, he had a two sixty one ERA. Like he wasn't bad. I feel. I kind of feel bad that Josh Fields is the Larry Anderson. To Jordan Alvarez because he was probably better. Larry Anderson was had a good career. It was late in his career, but Josh Fields is better than the. <laughs> they traded that guy for Jordan Alvarez, which is true. It is true. Ha ha ha! You traded that guy for Jordan. It's true. But Josh Fields was decent. I feel bad for Josh well, Fields. I, I, I feel a little bad for just, Josh Fields. It's just part of it. Like, do you feel like I don't feel bad for James Shields because he was traded for Fernando Tatis? Big Jr. game, James. Like Big game, I, James. You're just part of these deals sometimes. I mean. We don't even. No one gives the Diamondbacks grief just, at all for Shelby Miller, for Dansby <laughs> Swanson before he ever played a game for your organization. Let's, but let's just laugh at the Dodgers. Let's not laugh at Josh Fields. I don't know why I'm so like standing on a hill for Josh Fields in defending Josh Fields. Well, because you remember part of the story was they had two guys named Alvarez in their yeah. system, and when the Astros <laughs> called the first time, they're like, "No way, not even possible. We're not even thinking about that." And they're like, "Wait a minute, not that guy, this guy." And they went, "Oh, that guy, you can have him." Yeah, we're not worried about him. There was well, like the wrong be. Jordan Alvarez, right? It was the wrong yeah. Jordan Alvarez. There is a rumor, by the way. There is a rumor that because the Astros didn't have uh, money for international free agents that year, that Jeff Luno had an under the table agreement with the Dodgers. Hey, we're going to give you Josh Fields. You sign that Jordan Alvarez guy with your international money. That is, there's a rumor of that. There is a rumor of that. Just saying. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's false. But I've heard that rumor. So he basically told them what to do to get the guy that he wanted yeah. to get. Like the Dodgers wanted Fields. The Astros were like, well, let's do this in August. We don't have any international money. We really like this Jordan Alvarez kid. You sign him with your international money. Then whenever you're allowed to trade him, we're going to give you Fields for this guy that we wanted. Because he never played a game in the Dodgers minor league system, by the way. Hmm. So there, maybe there's a little fire with the, wasn't uh, the other the story out. that some of the scouts were, there, were, were scouting to see other players and Jordan was like on a backfield. Yeah, just swinging, crushing the baseball. Yeah, and someone and, and one of the, uh, the the scouts said, "Wait a minute, I need to see this guy a couple more times." What is your favorite Astros trade of all time? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. And is this one the best one? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Michael Schwab, the the czar of Astros Twitter, he found a scouting report 
on uh, Jordan Alvarez back in the day. It says this about Jordan Alvarez. But because of major questions concerning his defense, opinions of Alvarez's potential oscillate much more than they do for Houston's other top prospects, pitchers Forrest Whitley, Corbin Martin, and outfielder Kyle Tucker. Astros officials have been giddy about the six foot five, two hundred and twenty five pound Cuban slugger since they first got him into their complex in the Dominican Republic in August two thousand sixteen. But around the industry, he's not even a consensus top one hundred prospect. See, top top one hundred prospect lists aren't always everything. Never played a single game in the Dodgers organization. How about that? Uh, 3970, if the Mets are trying to get the Astros' top two prospects for Verlander, I'd rather they call the Mariners and see what it takes to get Logan Gilbert or George Kirby. The Mariners aren't going to trade no, either one not. of those guys, even though they're sellers. Those guys are club control. They're not going to trade them. It's weird that they traded their closer to Arizona last night, and Very they're weird. still with less than 10 games from being in first place, and they're, what, five, five and a half out? I think they're a half game behind the Angels, who are like Yeah, it's five and five spires. and a half for those two teams. So it's crazy that you traded your closer away and looks like you're going to be selling, but yet you're right there on the cusp of being in the playoffs. That's a bizarre organization. I mean, just going back to the Kendall Graveman deal, it upset the clubhouse so much because they were in, they were in striking distance. Now, they ended up buying a little bit after Graveman, but they just handle their business very oddly. They do. They, I saw a report today where they're buyers and sellers. I, I think that they believe in the value thing. Like if Seawall's like it's his best value of all time, then now's the time that you trade them. You know, standings be darned, which is it looks weird. Um, but you know, you sell whenever a guy is uh, high, and then buy when a guy is low. Like looking at it from a market perspective, seven one three seven eight zero ESP. And it's funny here. Seeing from the other fans of other teams, Key from L.A., Justin will be a Dodger, and then Total Dallas, a resident Rangers fan, uh, which you should change his name to Total Arlington, if we're being honest. Uh, Miss Verlander probably wouldn't mind some L.A. time. So Total Arlington's trying to keep uh, Verlander away from the Astros. It's funny with how he tries to be in his Verlander own squad. or Total Arlington? To- Total Arlington. How he he ran and hid yesterday from the Twitch chat. He did he it he, again today. He, he ran annihilated. They, yeah. they bullied yeah. him out of the Twitch chat for the third yeah. day in a row. So, so then he goes to the text culture. message. Yesterday, he was basically saying, you know, and implying that it would be okay if the Astros just kind of folded up their tents and went home and didn't do anything at the deadline. It, basically implying that he's still terrified of the Astros. And then he comes back with that text today going, he's still terrified of the Astros. The Astros are living 100% rent-free in his head no matter what his team does to try and ease his worry. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Astros live in Arlington's head, period. Mm-hmm. You know, 713 well, we know They live in D- Dave Raymond and C.J. Nidkowski's head yeah, they every do. day. They do. What is your favorite Astros trade of all time? 713-780-3776. It's hard to say that it's the Jordan trade because of the fact that you never knew this guy was going to turn out as good as he turned out to be, but... You, you end up looking at it now and going, that might be the greatest trade in the history of the franchise if Jordan keeps playing the way he's playing. Obviously, other than that, it, it's the Bagwell-Larry Anderson trade or it's the Verlander trade at the very last tick of the clock uh, in 17 that ended up solidifying your World Series. So those were really exciting times. If you're an Astros fan, I can't think of any other moves that were bigger. I think the – which ones did you say? I said that the Larry Anderson for Bagwell. Yeah. I said that the Verlander at the trade deadline – and then, obviously, looking at the way it looks right now, this Jordan trade, you know, in retrospect, has to be up there. I think those are the three that everybody like immediately looks like uh, looks at. The Randy Johnson one's probably like second tier. Beltron was a big one that year too. Beltron was weird, like yes, and Beltron was so good after yes, the Astros got him. 
the Astros got Beltron, I think it was in June. Like they got him or maybe early, early July. But Carlos Beltron was not like a deadline trade. It was an in season trade, but the Astros and Jerry Hunsaker got him super early. Yeah. Like he was an Astro way before the deadline. I think they even like started the deadline. So like it's hard for me to quantify Beltron as like and we're not talking about just trade deadline deals here. It's hard for me to to qualify Beltron as a trade deadline deal with how early the Astros got Carlos Beltron. Yeah, no, I I I'm look. I'm completely with you because it didn't happen like with a sense of urgency. June 24th. But boy, was he a stud when he was an Astro. He and was that so playoff good. run, it was one thing to say in the regular season, he really excelled. But when he stepped it up another notch in the playoffs and was carrying that team offensively in a lot of ways, man, he was so damn good. And then defensively, the plays he made in the outfield, too. That was prime Beltron, and he was phenomenal. He was, um, I, I loved Carlos Beltron. Like that version of Carlos Beltron where he's like a true five like five, five tool, tool player. Yeah. He could hit for power, he could hit for average, he was fast on the bases. He didn't even look like he ran hard. Like no. he was just he had those long strides and he was so tall. And whether he was climbing the wall so or good. diving for balls in the gap, the dude was doing everything and you just felt like, Hey, this is our franchise player for the next, you know, however many years you want to call it. And then that whole fiasco with the Mets and with with uh, the negotiations with Drayton, and then Boris came back after they already had agreed on the price and said, we want more, and the Mets are willing to give it to us. And Drayton said, we already agreed, agreed on a deal, yeah. and he wouldn't do it, and he was a Met. 8769, it's JV for me just because the World Series dividends were immediate. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And Verlander was here for both World Series teams. Now, Jordan, it was delayed dividends, right? Like, you had to wait a little bit for him to win his World Series. That's a, it's tough between Verlander and, and, and Jordan. Like, Jordan, I think, is a bigger ripoff, even though Josh Fields was good as a Dodger. Mm-hmm. But the time, I mean, the Astros didn't give a lot for, for Verlander. Like, they gave up some prospects that were highly thought of. The Daz Cameron, Rodgers has been like the best big leaguer. He's the catcher. catcher yeah. they, they didn't give up much for Verlander either, though. Like, that was kind of a ripoff as well. The guy won two Cy Youngs after you traded almost nothing for him. Like, ugh. I think as much as everybody Tight. can go back and forth on Luno. The bigger thing is is that when you look at this, it comes down to it's always worth it to a discussion you and I had a week or so ago. It's always worth it to give up the prospects, to get the bona fide guaranteed. I know you, you and I differ on this sometimes, but more times than not, the guy that's already proven is still going to keep doing what he's been doing. And the prospects, you look at the, the Grinky trade. You look at you know the Cole and some of the other deals that Luno made when you're like, man, of the guys you gave up, I mean, I guess Seth Beer in Arizona could well, turn out to be something. No, no. I mean, Musgrove was the best piece that you gave up. He was in the that coal was trade. the coal trade. I think it's more of a testament to Luno because there's a lot of these. That's trades, what I'm saying but, I'm giving credit to Luno, but I'm not. I'm not necessarily going to buy into the. It's always better to get the veteran than the prospects because a lot of times you get some thrown in prospects that are like, my well, goodness, gotta, they turn into superstars yeah. for these like middle relievers. So but I'm not going to go there with you on how you manage. I mean, how you. You know, trade with your prospects too. Sure. And realize what the value is and, and, and what you're getting in return. But at the same time, what they ended up giving up in those three deals, you would do that in retrospect 10 times out of 10 for what you got out of the players you got. 713 780 ESPN. Best Astros trade in history. Also, what is your favorite trade deadline moment? I have one that sticks out for me. What are them that stick out for you? Also, is Dylan Cease all of a sudden back on the market? And if he is, 
How should Dana Brown and the Astros handle that? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Uh, we're talking about the Astros a lot today. It's one of the best sports days on the calendar. It is trade deadline day in Major League Baseball. And General Ben wants to send you to an Astros game. Maybe they add some pieces today. Maybe they don't. But the Astros are still very, very good. And General Ben wants to send you to one of the best games left on the calendar. They have an Astros tickets giveaway happening right now. Enter for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Friday, September 1st Astros home game against the Yankees. It shows you how classy General Ben is. It's not some midweek game. It's not a game against the lowly Kansas City Royals. Sorry, Kansas City, that you're catching some strays. General Ben wants to send you to a Friday night game between the Astros and the Yankees on September 1st. And all you have to do is head over to their Facebook. Head over to their Instagram. Find them at Gentle Ben Spirits. At Gentle Ben Spirits, Facebook or Instagram. Click on the pin giveaway post for instructions. You have two weeks to enter for your chance to win. Uh, plus, anytime you're at Minute Bay Park, you can find Gentle Ben Spirits serving up their specialty co- cocktails at Ben's Bar in Section 106. Their secret? unparalleled smoothness. They've mastered the art of eliminating impurities that cause harshness or that unpleasant burn in distilled spirits. Gentle Ben, you'll love what's not in it. Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Bergman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you'll remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. It's a fitting rejoin, because we're asking you what is your... um what is your most memorable trade deadline deal? I don't remember this one being at the deadline. Maybe it was. I just don't remember. Uh, three, seven, four, five. In 94, the Padres and Astros pretty much traded teams. I hated losing Kemenetti and Finley, but Derek Bell was one of my favorite Astros. Kind of fitting. Do you have a trade deadline memory that sticks out to you more than anything else? I I think the Verlander one just always resonates with me the most because of how late it happened and how everybody was hanging on pins and needles. And it was, you know, last minute update after last minute update until he finally accepted it. That that's the one that will always kind of stick with me because I lived in the middle of it in Houston, as opposed to, like you said, the Beltron deal didn't happen at the deadline. That was as close to the end of the deadline as you could get. Mm -hmm. And it was also the, the old deadline. It was the, it was the August 31st, um, waiver deadline where they had to clear waivers right. in order for them to be traded. So it, it it was a trade deadline that literally does not exist anymore. Uh, that one was, and it also came down to like the eleventh hour. It came down to like the final moments and seconds, and like faxing over or however he did it, his signature on his no trade clause. Uh, that one definitely sticks out. It's probably and, second for me. And the one for me was also the Randy Johnson because I, I I had just gotten to Houston, and the fact that you know. At that time, I don't think the baseball team was. Now you've been in Houston for a while. At that point, well, it, was, it was it was ninety eight. Oh, ninety eight. Okay, I got there. Yes, yeah, so it was, I had just, but I hadn't been in Houston that long. And the fact that all of a sudden, and, and, and every team was trying to be the first team to win a championship for the city of Houston, and working for a team that was hyper focused on that, and you know mentioned it a lot in meetings and things like that. And I went, whoa! I mean, talk about go for it. They just went. At, you know, 150 miles an hour at trying to do something impactful. And I remember going to the Dome and watching him pitch. And I was at that game against the Padres Maybe in the playoffs. I was too. Yeah, with against Kevin Brown going, you just ran into a pitcher that somehow was hotter than you were in the regular season. 
But Randy Johnson was all that in a bag of chips when he was here. For me, it was the Randy Johnson trade. And I was in 1998. And what and was interesting then, too, like it wasn't this middle of the day or early evening trade deadline. Like it was midnight. I want to say it was midnight Eastern. So it was 11 p.m. Central. So like this was going into the final hours in the middle of the night. Midnight Eastern, 11 Central. And I remember because like you couldn't find a whole lot of coverage on the trade deadline right. back then. Right. Like MLB Network didn't exist. Sports Center was quite frankly probably Twitter didn't already exist. Twitter didn't exist. Facebook didn't even exist. Nope. Like social media wasn't around. The internet was was I don't even like the internet was very like America Online probably with your weird screen names. Mm-hmm. Sports Center was probably running their reruns at that point of the night, so it was very hard to find trade deadline coverage. I remember being little nerd Branham, as I guess I was, let's see, that happened in 98. I was probably 13 years old. I guess I was 13 years old. I found on my radio some national, you know, live programming, and they were doing de- trade deadline stuff, kind of like we're doing right now. And I, re- I had no, like, I just wanted to see if the Astros were going to do something. I-, I didn't have any feeling that they were going to acquire Randy Johnson. And that, I don't even remember who was hosting the show. All of a sudden, Randy Johnson to the Astros. And little nerd Branham listening to his silly radio at whatever time it was. It was probably, probably like 10.55 or whatever at night. Like, being super excited. It was awesome. It was great. But that's my most fondest memory of a trade deadline trade. Was listening, little nerd Branham, little preteen nerd Branham listening to his little radio terrestrial radio some random sports radio guy breaking the news that uh, Randy Johnson was a Houston Astro that for me will forever be the biggest trade deadline like memory for me I think the other thing that goes into why a lot of people would say Verlander and we haven't touched on this yet but the timing of it was also that was like the first moment for the city that we all felt better after Harvey because that's what, that's seven days after Harvey hit yep. the first time, like when it made landfall. So it's just like, it was also like, just like that moment of just like things are getting better. So it was, I think that makes that trade extra special when you look back on it, because it was just such a terrible time for everyone. And like the Astros getting Justin Verlander was this awesome thing that happened. Yeah, that's true. Like the, the city needed a little pick me up. And, oh, for sure. And the Astros gave them that pick me up with the Verlander trade and then going on to win the World Series. Randy Johnson for me. Uh, Verlander, very close second. A lot of people, too, saying Randy Johnson on the Twitch and uh, on the text line as well. 713-780-3776-3234 says, what about the Mike Scott trade with the Mets? I, I wasn't alive yet. I don't even remember it. I wasn't, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I wasn't alive yet. Uh, I have to trust all of you for that one. You know what? It's kind of like in, in each situation, it's like the next decade or the next generation of Astros. It was the Randy Johnson trade. It was the Verlander trade. And then you could look at it and say, the Bagwell move wasn't significant in terms of what the team did, but overall for the organization, he became a Hall of Fame player and one of the greatest players to ever do it. Jordan could do the exact same thing now as you move to the next trade that might be the same kind of move when all is said and done. At the at the moment, though, like trading for Bagwell was like, eh, whatever, you're, getting, you're selling Larry Anderson, you're right. getting a Bagwell. Trading for Jordan Alvarez, who had never played in a professional game, like it didn't it didn't move the needle then. Now you look back. That's what I'm saying. Best trades in it, Astros it's like, history. It's like how you judge impact. For a season, the Bagwell move and the Jordan move didn't impact anything other than when you look at it now, you might end up with two Hall of Fame players in deals that really were kind of like a blink of the eye and no one cared. Hi, this and, is Jeff Bagwell. I love the Killer Bees at 97.5. Big fan of the Killer yeah. you, you can just hear his enthusiasm. He's and, over the moon. And then you look at, from a team perspective, the reason why – in people's in some people's minds, the Johnson deal wasn't as big as Verlander's. The end result, 
The end result is Verlander's team won the World Series and Randy Johnson's team fell short to the Padres as great as he was as an Astro. Do you make the trade if you know that you lose to the Padres in the first round? I don't think you do. If I know that I'm losing no I matter what, do. I, I don't matter. Yeah. If, if you know that you're losing no matter what and, and you're you know not that, resigning. Yeah. If you know that he's gone no matter what yep. and that you lose in the first round, do you still make that trade? I, you can. No. You can't because you traded Freddie Garcia, Carlos Guillen, and John Halama. Yep. Like those guys were like players. Guillen was, was an all star. players. Was Garcia an all-star at one point in time? Maybe. I think he was, and then he won the World Series with the White Sox. Yeah, so I'm keeping, uh, if if I had to, if I knew the outcome, and I knew that, that Randy Johnson was leaving, I, I got to keep the players. Yeah, you have to. I got to keep the players, I'm sorry. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. So according to some reports, Mike Feinsand, who covers baseball for baseball people, he um, he's saying strange things certainly happen on trade deadline day. But the White Sox are talking to teams about Dylan Cease, one executive said. Chicago is looking for the moon for Cease, who is controllable through 2025. Blankers, the Astros are out. Here's what I'm doing, though, if I'm Dana Brown. Like, you have this package, which you're probably going to send for Justin Verlander, or you've made an offer for Justin Verlander. Reports are out that the Astros have made an offer for Verlander, and maybe they have their line, you know, their feet you know, stuck in the sand, not willing to cross the line. If I'm Dana Brown and I'm the Houston Astros, I'm calling the White Sox and offering the trade that I've offered for Verlander for Dylan Cease. You're talking about you're going to offer Gilbert. I mean, what, what, we haven't really talked about what the offer is, but whatever offer that Dana Brown has offered the Mets for Justin Verlander, now that I know that Cease is on the market and Dana Brown should know this, I'm offering that same exact trade to the White Sox. Yeah, I, I don't know that that's enough. Probably not. But I think but I'm that, doing my due but, diligence. But, well, yeah, for sure. And, and you know what that does? It could be a conversation starter. Now, that might not be good enough, but now you might be getting to the front of the line in terms of talking to the White Sox and saying, hey, let's continue the discussions. They may counter. You may be able to get deeper into a conversation. And at the end of the day, for a younger, and I think arguably for the long term and maybe maybe for the short term, but I, I, it's hard to go against what Verlander's done recently, but it'd be a better overall for the long term, I think, to get Dylan Cease. Yeah, I, I do too. Like I'd rather have Cease than Verlander if I'm being completely honest. That's why I'm that's why I'm offering like that's why I'm offering the White Sox whatever trade that I offered uh, the Mets that probably ultimately is going to get done maybe. Um do I think it's enough? No. I think you're right there. And I think one thing that works against the Astros, there's multiple things that work against the Astros being in on Dylan Cease. The you know, their minor league system probably isn't good enough to acquire Dylan Cease, right. but you've also traded a player to them that they would have wanted. Like you've already traded Corey Lee to the White Sox. So now your package and your minor league system wouldn't be as good if you're trying at the 11th right. hour to get in on Dylan Cease. So interesting that he's out there. I would imagine that Dana Brown's doing his due diligence no matter what. He's talking to every team. Uh, but I'm with you that that seems far-fetched and unlikely. But I am offering him the Verlander package. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. Cash it or trash it? What are our hot takes? What are our overreactions? What are your hot takes and overreactions that you want the Killer Bees to cash or trash? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, right now, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend Doc Linville. Doc Linville does things that... I think he does better than anybody else, and it might be a game changer for you because he does the Neograph procedure. The Neograph procedure is a way that you can get your hair back, and it's your own hair. And and simply put, it's not the sprays and the creams and the foams that just mask the problem and, and do nothing to solve it. This solves the problem. It's your own hair put where you need it most. Maybe it's in the front at your hairline. Maybe it's up on top and back. But the fact is is that you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head no matter how bald you go elsewhere. Doc Linville takes some of that hair, puts it where you need it most, 
And then you watch the results as the hair gets stronger and longer and grows and is with you for the long haul. That's why I did the procedure. He told me when I met with him that 95 to 99% of all the follicles that he moves are going to stay and grow and be with you for the rest of your life. That was enough for me to want to give it a shot. And so I did, and I could not be happier with it, and you could be the next in line to do it too. As a listener to ESPN 97.5, you get a free consultation, costs you absolutely nothing, nothing out of pocket. You're not on the hook for a thing. To meet with Doc Linville and his staff and get all the information, ask all the questions, and see if it's right for you. All you got to do is go to 975hair.com and set up an appointment. Meet with them, ask the questions, get the answers. You might be the next to be a happy and successful patient that loves the fact that the Neograph was right for you. Check them out and tell them I sent you by because Doc's the best in the business. It's the Neograft at 975hair.com. Prepare for overreaction on my mark. It's that time of the week where overreactions are not only welcome, they're celebrated. They say Muhammad Ali was the greatest of all time, but he never fought Cassius Clay. It's cash em or trash em with the Killer Bees. This is your hot take. Hmm. Give us a hot spoonful of your opinion. Mark Feinstein covers baseball for baseball people. Says the Astros are still viewed as the favorites to land JV from the Mets per source, but the two sides need to agree to the players who would go back to New York. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's how a trade that's works, how trade Mark. works right? Where you have to give me a player, and then we have to agree on the players that you would send back. Thanks. Nice update there, Feinstein. Uh, sand. Uh, what are our hot takes, our overreactions? What are we cashing or trashing? 713-780-ESPN. Blankers, why don't you lead us off? I mean, I've seen a lot of people getting on the Otani bandwagon and saying that he's going to beat Aaron Judge's home run record and he's going to do, you know, all these different things. I know you love him. He's your favorite player. but so, uh, Your favorite non-Astro. But right. I, I just think that as much as he is the runaway MVP in the American League, I think that he looks like he's tinkering on injuries a lot lately. And I, and I question the fact that, you know, and again, it's it's also strange to me from a New York media perspective, there's not nearly the hype train that the Aaron Judge run got last year. And I think Otani deserves as much. But at the same time, I just don't think he's going to come close to it because I think that he seems like he's starting to break down a little bit. That's why I would be very concerned about his long-term deal at the kind of money we were talking about. So what are we cashing or trash? Is he going to get to Aaron Judge's record? Um, What's his pace? Judge, was, hit, judge hit 60. He was right at or one or two off of it. Last night he got robbed, by the way, on a hell of a catch by, uh, was it Michael Harris in center field? Oh, I saw that. Michael Harris is pretty good yeah, baseball player. Yeah, he's a hell of a baseball player. Dana Brown, what's up? Um, Shohei Otani has 39 home runs. The Angels have played, let's see, how many games have the Angels played to this point? 56 and 51. They played 107 games. So he's hit 39 home runs in 107 games. I'm trying to do the math on this real quickly on the air. Not 20 more. I'm going to cash this because I think Major League Baseball is going to see that he's going for it and they're going to give Goldilocks balls. Oh. <laughs> it's been done. He's on, a 50, again. he's on a 59 home run pace. Aaron he's, Judge. He's did, a little behind. He had, what, 63 last year? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm probably going to. I'm going to I'm gonna tr- trash it. I don't think he trash. gets to judge. I don't think he's going to get to judge. Plus, He's also getting a little bit of the bond streaming. Like, dudes aren't pitching to Shohei Otani. He's, you even saw that uh, Donaldson for the Blue Jays. Why, he went up to his no, manager. not Donaldson. Not Donaldson. Uh, Chapman, Chapman. Matt Chapman. 
Matt Chapman went up to the managers like, why are we pitching to the guy? He's the only guy that can hit in this lineup. Like, I he, love that. It was so good. Like, it was disrespectful to tell his manager how to manage, and it was disrespectful to everybody else in the Angels lineup. It's like, why are you throwing it to him? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> it was a double entendre of disrespectfulness, but, uh, but it was awesome. The amount of, I, 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 yeah, I'm gonna, he's not going to get there. The amount of managers that, that pitched, uh, like, Otani, Judge, Alvarez, baffles me. See, that now if they get Trout back soon, which I don't think it's going to be soon, it could he, change He didn't hit one last night, right? Because he was two for three. With a, and he got the the one out was the the where he got robbed of the home run, but I don't think he hit one last night. I got to go back and look. Yeah, I don't I don't think he got one either. But I'm gonna he's not gonna catch Judge. I'll uh, whatever cash or trash that I'll I'll do that. Uh, cash or trash. <laughs> this one's interesting. The Rangers will finish third in the American League West. Trash. Okay. Trash. Trash. All right, we'll see. I mean, look, I think the Astros are going to win the division, and I've said that all along. So second? Yeah. So I, do the Angels catch the Rangers? I don't think so. Four and a half I back. think the Rangers did enough to solidify their pitching staff you for like the rest Mitch of the Scherzer. regular season. I think that it'll – look, their offense is like, you know, and you always make sure you remind me of this, and rightfully so. They have the best offense in baseball. True. If they just get – decent pitching the rest of the way. There's no way they should <laughs> fall from first to third. Total Arlington just popped into the Twitch chat again and oh, said trash. Total Arlington's back. back. What are you going to cash in or trash in this one, Joe? Rangers finished third in the AO West. I'm going to trash it. Trash. All right, I remember this. But if you would have said the Rangers finished second and missed the playoffs, I might have cashed it. That's too easy. Because I think that's, I mean, look, the Astros are only a game up on the Blue Jays right now, which is three and a half up on the Red Sox. So if the Rangers fall apart here a little bit, the Red Sox, Angels, Yankees, Mariners, they're all within striking distance. If they don't get Evaldi back, that rotation is not great. I got a feeling he's done. If he's done, they have Mid Scherzer and his four ERA, and then a bunch of the journeymen. That, that rotation's not great. And they still have a after our oldest Chapman, not a great bullpen. But they also have roughly three and a half hours to help that bullpen. I tried to reach out to Evaldi's cousin to see if he would tell me what's going on. He declined. How do you know Evaldi's cousin? Ben Nance. I don't know. Oh, him. I know Ben. He used to be uh, Josh, Josh Rich's producer, producer at yeah. 610. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. He works at WBBM in Chicago now. He's of all these He's cousins. He's of all these cousins. That's interesting. I was like, so is, uh, is your cousin coming back this year? What's going on? He said, no comment. <laughs> I was like, okay. No comment? But he's like, I'm not telling you. I think that's the answer. <laughs> I don't think so. I've tried uh, this before. I don't know, man. All right, what do you got? I'm going to take that as a, uh, just a, I'm not answering, but maybe you're right, Jeremy. I think that there might be something into that. All right, I'm going to go officially on the record here before college football season starts. Uh, Quinn Ewers will be the third quarterback taken inside the top ten in next year's NFL draft. That's, that's good. So you got the usual suspect. Yeah, right? Drake and Caleb. Yeah, one, two. Caleb or and Drake. Top two guys. Quinn Ewers, third quarterback taken inside the top ten. I think he's going to be a very highly rated prospect. Is there anybody we're missing? I mean, there's a lot this year, honestly. There's probably there's probably five or six legitimate options to be the third quarterback taken. I'm looking at a mock draft right now. They have two quarterbacks in the top 10. They have two quarterbacks in the top 16. The third quarterback comes off the board at 19, and it's Quinn Ewers. So the third quarterback for Ewers, I don't think hot take of this. I think it's probably the 10th pick, but it's a quarterback in college football that probably had a good year. I'm going to cash it. I'm going to cash this. Quinn Ewers, third quarterback, top 10, cashing it. Yeah, good one. I think it depends on who's you know who's looking and what they need to, but I, I'm going to trash it. I think it's still trash. I, I just think that, you know, whether Texas football is back, baby, or uh, whatever the hype train that seems to be happening every single year. Look, I think he's going to have a good year. I think he is 
the, the, the true starting quarterback of the Longhorns, no, no, bad, how, no matter how badly everybody wants to see Arch Manning. Oh, he stinks. They're going to redshirt him. Yeah, and he does not look good so far. But I, I think that's a far a, a far cry from being a top 10 pick in the draft next year. I think he'll be picked in the first round. I don't think it'll be top 10. I mean, like, he's a high, I mean, it's funny because people talk about Arch Manning and then Quinn Ewers is, is mathematically a higher-rated quarterback than Arch Manning coming out of high school. He was a five-star quarterback when you did all the numbers. Quinn Ewers is a better prospect than Arch Manning when you looked at all the books combined. I saw um, I saw one highlight of Arch Manning dicing up some private school in Louisiana. And private school in Louisiana is better than private school here. Like, their private is our public. But Arch Manning was like, you know, looking like Barry Sanders a bunch of against a bunch of dudes who looked like they went to St. Pius. Like I, I don't, I don't know if I trust Arch Manning. If uh, this happens, does that mean Texas has a great season? Oh, for sure, not necessarily. Sark says they're on a mission. I mean, they could go, they could go nine and three. Yours looks great. Their defense is awful. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they'll be in the conversation for you know a Big Twelve title on the way out to finally get one. Sure, they should be in the mix there. They're probably the favorite, right? No, I, is TCU still the favorite, even though they lost everyone? They lost their quarterback. They lost a lot of guys. They lost and, a ton. and they lost John, uh, the receiver. And they're running back. Uh, I would guess right now the favorite in the Big 12 is probably Texas or... They're, Texas is first. They're plus, they're plus 120. Oklahoma is second at 325. Oklahoma, Kansas State's Oklahoma? plus 500. Venable still got... So yeah, hard pass on Oklahoma. Texas is the heavy favorite. I would not touch Oklahoma with Venable. I wouldn't there. either. I think Venable's in a really hot seat right now. All right, what next cash or trash, Blankers? Uh, I don't have Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. If you have a cash or trash to fill blankers, uh, the Texans will have a top twelve defense this year. Mm. Top twelve, top twelve. Oh, I wanted to go. That. I wanted to go to the top third of the league, but it's hard to do that with a thirty-two team league. So I went top twelve instead of eleven. That's a weird number. I, I, think, the football number. I think they're going to be very improved. I don't think they're going to be top twelve defense in the league. I, I think they still have holes. I trash. think still, they still have questions. You got to see if that front seven with. Rankins and and what they're trying to do to kind of be better than a year ago and solidify stopping the run. I'm not so sold on that. I hope Stevie Nelson has another good year. I hope Stingley is the guy that they thought he was going to be, but there's more questions than answers. So I can't say that that's going to justify a top 12 pick. I'm going to trash it. I'm going to cash this. Wow, did you just sit on it? Cash this. I had a temporary brain fart where I forgot what the take was. So I, and actually, now I'm afraid again what the take was, but I cashed it. Before Texans we started. top twelve. Oh defense. yeah, 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 yeah. Cash that. Yeah, that, that was a major brain mush right there. But okay. I, I think the Texans have a top twelve defense. What what categories? All categories? Just top ten total defense. Just a top twelve. Top twelve. Yeah, I'm bet. Yeah, I, I think they'll be in that. And part of it is because their schedule is not that hard. The schedule's weak. Schedule's they don't weak. play a lot of great quarterbacks, so that probably goes in their favor. Who knows if they'll play Jonathan Taylor now this season? True. So, like, I, I just think when you look at their schedule overall, it's not that – it's just not that difficult. Top 12. Top 12. All right, what do you got, Joe George? Um, Lamar Jackson's going to throw for over 350 yards <laughs> and three touchdowns week one against the Texans. <laughs> three touchdowns I'll listen to. Maybe, like, 275. Yeah. 350 is a bit Okay, high. so 275, three tutties. Well, you, you just said they're going to be a top 12 defense, and then you go 350, three tutties for that's Lamar the, Jackson. That's like one, one of the good quarterbacks they're going to play. <laughs> they're going to be playing catch I'm up in the cash top 12. That. I'm going to cash that. He's going to go nuts on that team, and he'll have every opportunity to score. Probably be a turnover or two. It puts him in scoring position to get the touchdowns. I'll, I'll cash that. I'll cash the three touch. I'm going to trash the 300 yards. I think that the trash. Ravens are going to be winning this game. I think they're going to go to a little ball control, run the rock. 
against the Houston Texas defense. I think the game script is not going to allow Lamar Jackson to go nuts in terms of yardage because they're going to win. They're going to have early lead. They're going to hold on to it. I don't see Lamar racking up the stats. It's interesting. I'm curious what their offense is going to look like. Because obviously it's going to be very different. You know, they, they're bringing Monk in, the offensive coordinator from Georgia. Who wants to throw? Who wants to throw? But are you going to waste your new playbook against the Houston Texans? Or are you going to try to play a little more conservative, beat them anyways, I mean, and which, then unleash everything week two? Eh, your plays and what you're drawing up usually is dependent on the opponent a lot of times. So, like, what you're using against the Texans in week one is going to be a bit different than what you're using against the opponent in week two based on their scheme and defense. Also, like, I think they, they're smart to run Lamar at least a little bit less. And isn't J.K. Dobbins hurt again? Uh, I don't think so. No, he's healthy now. Is he healthy now? Yeah. yeah, he's healthy. They've given him a lot of weapons. I mean, he's got his best overall set of weapons that he's had as a Raven. Yeah, I've, I've seen enough of OBJ dancing during training camp for this season. He's doing a lot of dancing? Every day. It's an interesting question. Which receiver, Bateman, Odell, or Zay Flowers, is the best season? Probably I think, Bateman. I actually, I think really? Mark Andrews. I think Mark Andrews might have a better season than than all three of those. He wasn't, he wasn't one of the three receivers we said. I know. I'm just saying that he loves Mark Andrews. I agree. That's why I said Bateman, Odell, and Zay. Though which receiver? And I said Bateman. Yeah, I think it's going to be Zay. I think it's going to be Zay. A couple of textures, Casher trashes. Eight zero two nine. The Cardinals will have the number one and two pick. In the NFL draft, quick, quick cash or trash. I'm going to trash it. I don't think the Texans finished with a second worst record. I think they're going to be like somewhere in the five to ten range. Did you cash that? Oh, I trashed it. No, not you, Joel. Oh yeah, he did. I cashed. He cashed it. He thinks the Texans will have one of the worst records. I hated the trade from the minute it was made. Write this down. Yeah, you haven't budged off that for the bad take Boulevard bracket. (laughs) What mine? We can't be. I'm going to put both sides on it. Can't be yet. Oh, it'll it'll be. But we'll know when the bracket. Well, I when we put the bracket you. together, we'll know who's correct on the side. Yeah. All right. we'll, we'll nominate all three of us in separate categories. Last one. Key from L.A. Cash or trash? Be- breakfast is overrated. Trash. Uh, come on, man. I love it, but I've never been a breakfast guy. So I'm going to I'm gonna cash it just because of the fact that if I had my choice between a great dinner, a great lunch, and a great breakfast, or I had to take two of the three... I'll skip breakfast. I have to agree with this. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree from Keith from L.A. I love a lot of breakfast foods. Love pancakes. Love waffles. Yes. Love sausage meat muffins. Love barbacoa. I love a lot of breakfast foods. I almost never eat breakfast. See, I prefer like a late breakfast sandwich as like an early lunch. So I, I'm I'm trashing this. Trash. I like breakfast. There you go. I think most people would agree with you, to be fair. All right, that does it for Cash or Trash. If you have other ones that you want us to Cash or Trash, just send them to at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. He'd, he'd love to hear from you. Uh, S- Seattle. Apparently, they're selling, huh? Mariners are selling, and what's the latest trade deadline news? It is trade deadline day in Major League Baseball. It's Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. First, a moment on HRP, Human Resources and Payroll. It's Cougar owned by my colleague, Go Cougs, uh, and members of the Cougar 100 for the eighth year in a row. My colleague, by the way, used to protect Heisman Trophy winners, and now, well, a winner, and now he wants to protect you and your business. You've seen the HRP signage of U of H games. You've seen their building off the Beltway. But business owners, let HRP help you. HR compliance, benefits and administration, payroll, onboarding, HRMP can help in any or all of those areas. There's no boxes with HRMP. doesn't matter how small the job, how big the job, HRMP completely customizes a plan for what you 
and your business needs. You have a problem, you have an issue, you want to take a little bit off the plate, HRMP will find a way to help. That way you can get back to growing your business, spend the time where you want it. And they do it in a way that's unique. Technology meets service. They have the best technology. You'll love that, but you'll love their service. Guaranteed fulfillment. You won't be talking to a stranger on a call board. You'll be talking to someone who knows your business needs. Look, we use HRMP here at Gal Media. There's no secret about that. Uh, I changed checking accounts recently. Just a quick email to HRMP, and I got it done like that. So take care of your employees. Give them HRMP as well. Give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let HRMP customize a plan for you. 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net. It's hrp.net. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent news story. Stop what you're doing and listen. Justin Verlander is a Houston Astro again. Bob Nightingale, two minutes ago, just after we went to break, tweeted out, Justin Verlander and the Astros won two World Series titles together. Now they're back together vying for a third title. One of the greatest, I call him the greatest, Houston Astros starting pitcher is back. He is a Houston Astro. JV is here again as a member of of the Houston Astros. It's it's a big move. It's at the right time. It's a massive deal for this city, fans of this baseball team. You know I'm always going to ask you, Jeremy, at what price. That's the one thing I am concerned with. I'm curious what they did have to get give up. I'm curious if we were you're right on the right path in terms of if there were other teams, if that was able to boost the price for what the Mets got in return or if it was just the Astros. The Astros were able to play chicken and say, we're not giving up Drew Gilbert. We're not giving up you know, one of our two top prospects, but we would be willing to do this or that. I am curious about that, but I am very relieved and happy that you're getting a guy that you know who he is. He knows the city. And please miss me for the time being on all the playoff pointing of the finger about what he has and hasn't done. It's been good in the playoffs. But just realize that for the rest of the regular season, with what you're still figuring out and how you're getting guys back and the question marks you have about a starting rotation, you just got a bulldog at the front of your rotation again. We've, we've not seen the return yet. We'll, we'll get to you the return as quickly as we figure it out. But the immediate is that you're adding to a rotation now, Blankers. The Ashes have flirted with the idea of a six-man rotation, but no more Brandon Belag, no more Ronel Blanco. Right. You're looking at a rotation now of Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Justin Verlander, Hunter Brown, J.P. France, and Jose Arquiti. There's your six-man rotation. That is going to be the Astros' six-man rotation for the rest of the regular season to try to give Javier a lightened workload. Same thing with Fromber. You don't want Verlander at the age of 40 pitching every fifth day. Hunter Brown, J.P. France are rookies. You don't want them pitching a ton. Jose Arquiti's coming off the shoulder injury. You don't want him pitching a ton. The Astros have a formidable six-man rotation again, and they have the rotation, minus Lance McCullers, that won them the World Series last year. This is... At, at the right time, as much as people said whether they got Verlander or not, they would have won it again. They would have won it in 17. As much as you talk about all the other things with Astros moves when they were made and the timing of it, this is such a huge, important move for this team because it was such a glaring weakness for this team because of all the question marks. Because we didn't know, you know, we knew that you had two pitchers out for the year. You don't know what you're going to get back in the kind of Arcadi that you get back. You know that the two guys that you were going to lean on all year long have been a little shaky lately. And yes, there are signs that they're going to get it back in the case of Javier and Fromber, but you still don't know what you don't know. This is a guy putting right back, put right to the top of your rotation, right with those two guys, as a guy that can push for you, that can 
do everything you need them to do in the middle of a, a huge race to win the division and avoid a lot of the minutia of the playoffs, fantastic, big, monumental move for this team when they needed it most. And they, can, they don't have to be done. There's other You could still try and add a bat, or if Dana still wants to add to the bullpen, he can still try and do other things. But this wasn't a last-minute deal either, but this is the deal this team needed this year. Nightingale says the Astros are sending two minor league players to the Mets in return for Justin Verlander. have not seen the name. So the Astros aren't taking away from the big league team here. Uh, to trade for Justin Verlander, so we do have that revealed. Still have not seen who the return is. I'd be shocked if it's not um, Drew Gilbert, if I'm being completely honest with you. I'd be shocked if it's not Drew Gilbert, because of what the Mets got for Max Scherzer, who has been a lesser pitcher than Justin Verlander this year, and Drew Gilbert isn't as good a prospect as Acuna, who they got back uh, from from the uh, from the Rangers. So we'll have to wait and see exactly what the return is. Here's some good news on Justin Verlander, though. And how we feel in Houston, 713-780-3776. Justin Verlander, who has won two Cy Youngs with the Astros, has been a formidable piece of the rotation for two World Series teams. How you feeling with Justin Verlander returning back to Houston? Uh, Verlander with the Mets this season, Blankers. You look at the overall numbers for JV, 6-5, and 315 ERA. Like, win-loss record, whatever. 315 ERA is really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, if you break it down to his last seven starts, Verlander in his last seven starts has a sub-150 ERA. He got off to a rough start after he sat out. He he had a... uh, A really horrendous outing in Colorado. He had two bad outings this year. With three. Three, maybe four. But Colorado was one of them. Yeah, and and those will mess with, obviously, your your ERA. He didn't have the greatest team with the greatest kind of overall support in terms of the way that team played all year long with the Mets, he has got to be pumped up to come back here because he knows he's got everything he needs to compete for another World Series title. He knows the manager. He knows the locker room. He knows the city. He and his wife were happy here when they knew they weren't going to be hounded all the time and paparazzi wasn't chasing him around. And now he fits right into a team that this time really needs him maybe more so than the last time. This team now, in terms of, telling him not to throw out the first pitch in a playoff game when he was coming back from Tommy John. This is a chance now for them again to have a marriage made in heaven where he comes back at the exact right time for a team that could desperately need him at the top of their rotation, and they take it and they push all the way through the play. That's the other thing is that, I mean, we already knew this was going to be the case, but Verlander officially weighs his no-trade clause to be a Houston Astro for the second time. He did it with Detroit, does it now as a New York Met. He loves it in Houston. 713-780-3776. Before we get to Ryan on the HRMP listener line in Houston, how are you feeling? JV's back in the fold. Uh, trade deadline again. Justin Verlander is traded uh, for, for the Houston Astros. Verlander, seven starts, 42 innings, Blankers. 37 Ks, so look, strikeouts. Uh, aren't an, like a strikeout per inning, but that's not too far off of him. 37 strikeouts in 42 innings. has walked 18. Opponents hitting 178 in his last seven starts and has an ERA of 149 in his last seven starts. Just, Justin Verlander's been pitching to a last-year form in his last seven starts. 713-780-3776. You know what I'll say, guys, too? I, I feel more and more like what, from the time we read the report that it was done, I just felt like, the, like I felt at the start of the show. This was a Jim Crane move. I know if Dana Brown made the move and executed the pieces, I just feel like this was Jim Crane saying, "This is we go get this guy. We got to have him back on this roster. This is who we need." I'm fascinated by what the Astros traded, and then like the salary part of it too. So I mean, we're going to yeah. be all over this for the next 65 minutes. Uh, what were you about to say, Joe? Yeah, look. So Justin Verlander likely will start his first game this weekend. He'll be back in time to go to the White House on Monday. 
And frankly, <laughs> Yankee Stadium too, right? Yeah, he'll yeah. pitch in yep. Yankee Stadium this weekend. Maybe most he doesn't likely. even come to Houston. No, Maybe he meets the team in New York. People are saying that he might just meet him in New York. That's so hilarious. Probably pitch versus the Yankees. He'll be with the Astros when they go to the White House to celebrate the championship. And here's the thing too: they got the better pitcher of the two Mets guys yep. versus oh, yeah. the Rangers. He's way better than Max Scherzer. He has been consistently this year. Like this is a win-win in every possible way. But this is taking way too long for these prospects to come out, guys. It's uh, yeah, we're we're gonna find out hopefully soon. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Out to the HRP listener line, Ryan. You're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Ryan? What's going on, fellas? Man, I think it's a win, 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 win. I was watching a pitch. I think maybe last week, and I was like, oh, it'd be nice for him to be back in the Astros uniform. Plus, I think this takes like the mind games and the head stuff off of Fromber. Because you have that top guy back, and maybe you know that that being the number one is kind of getting the fromber a little bit. I, I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen, man. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm pumped. Let's go. Appreciate the call, Ryan. And uh, the return is out there now. At Slowly. least one of the pieces of the return is out there now. Mark Feinsand covers baseball for people who want baseball to be covered. Uh, the Mets will receive outfielder Drew Gilbert from the Astros in the deal for Verlander, plus at least one other prospect. It's not known how much money the Mets will send to Houston, so the details are starting to come out. Drew Gilbert, though, is headed to the Mets for Justin Verlander. Gilbert, prospect or more, going to New York. Justin Verlander coming to Houston. Now that we know at least one name that's leaving the Astros organization to New York, how you feeling that Drew Gilbert, the Astros' top prospect, included in the trade for Justin Verlander? 713-780-3776, your reaction to Justin Verlander being acquired by the Astros ahead of today's 5 o'clock trade deadline. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.